everyone, welcome to episode three of Thinking In About God. I'm glad you're joining me again. Um, there are some big topics I want to jump into, which is from Isaiah 53, and we're going to be looking at the topic of sin. Um, last episode, we went over how we created one... We created an entire theology around one scripture verse uh, where Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we have this this understanding that the God the Father and God the Son were separated at the cross. And that, that um, I guess what it does for a lot of people is it, it makes people question the character of God because we talk about God as a loving, a loving father, but yet at the cross, it looks like he abandoned his son. And so we kind of went through scripture looking at Psalms 22 and how it says that God did not abandon his son, uh, did not turn his face away. And that the, the, all the scripture verses that we have are of God, the father and God, the son being one and that they're together and that they're united in this, in this, in this purpose of reconciling all things to to himself, to himself. So, um, I believe that the most important thing about you is the way that you see God. It, it just frames everything. Um, and so, my the whole purpose of this podcast is really uh, it's just a, it's a it's a way for me to share about some of the things that God has been working in me uh, through the scriptures, just to reveal more of his of his goodness. And, uh, and so, um, one of the things I, I really wanted to, to go over and, and cover is the, the biblical view of sin. Cause I mean, we throw this word around and, um, I mean, I, I think we, we relate sin to simply being the bad things that we do. But when you look at scripture, you find that sin most often is, um, is a noun and not a verb. Sometimes you see uh, sin in the form of a verb. Most of the time, it's in the form of a noun. Um, because sin is, sin is more than just the, the bad things that we do, but it's a reflection of the condition of our hearts. And I, I think as a church, I think as a church, we at times can be very guilty of pointing out people's faults and mistakes and bad behavior, um, wanting them to change behavior and make behavioral modifications. Uh, but all of those wrong acts or um, wrong ways of behaving are usually due to something much deeper and that's taking place in people's hearts. Like there's, there's a reason why people are the way that they are. And I use this analogy a lot with my church, but sometimes we are so guilty of, of trying to shoo away the bad behavior without dealing with the, with the root cause of it. And so it's like shooing away the flies without taking out the trash. Like you can shoo away the flies all you want to. I mean, go ahead. But until you actually deal with the trash and deal with the heart issues, then the condition that people are in, those flies are just going to return. I mean, you can shoo away bad behavior all you want, 
right? But until you actually deal with the, the root cause and you build that, that bridge of connection and friendship and relationship with that person and are able to really speak into that person's life, I mean, the bad behavior is just going to return. And so what we find with Jesus is that he was after more than just behavioral modification. He was after a, a, a heart transformation. And so I think that should be our goal as well, um, that we're after heart transformation, not simply behavioral modification, because when the heart is transformed, then the behavior transforms. But the emphasis cannot just be on behavior and outward conformity. I mean, when it comes to the scriptures, that's all that the law of Moses accomplished was behavioral modification. It didn't fix the it didn't fix the conditions of people's hearts. And I know Brian Houston. He says that that the outcomes of a person's life are determined by the condition of their spirit. <clears throat> and so this is important. I mean, otherwise, we would have no need for a new covenant. And the, the writer of the Hebrews goes over this I mean, over and over and over again. It's just like if if the law was was, you know, fine with creating uh, a health and a well-being within people, then there would be no need for the new covenant. But because it didn't deal with people's hearts, people kept on entering into sin, which is why they needed to have um, those yearly sacrifices um, for that particular covenant. And Jesus does away with all of that because at the cross, what Jesus did was he conquered the power of sin. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. So then sin is more than just the bad things that we do. It's the state or the condition that our, that our, hearts, that our hearts are in. And, and, and what Jesus came to do is we, he came to save, or he, the Greek word for save or salvation is sozo, which means so much more than just going to heaven. Like we make it all, we make it all about the confirmation of a destination, that word salvation. But it was more than just that. It, it, it encompassed this whole thing of being made whole and complete and having a sense of well-being. Mark 5.34, I mean, I've got a few scriptures here that show like people came to be made well and healed, but Jesus uses that word that we use for salvation, sozo. It's Mark 5.34, and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well, sozo, saved. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Mark 10.52, and Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, sozo. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on his way. Luke 17.19, and he said to him, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. In Luke 5, when the, when the paralytic is being lowered down through, through the roof, what does Jesus say to him? He says, he says, man, your sins are forgiven you, which is weird because if that was me and I was being lowered down through the roof and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I mean, I know he was testing the Pharisees in this, but I would be like, that's not why I'm here. I came to be healed. I came to, I want to walk again. And later on, he says, you know, rise. He says, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, rise and take your mat and walk. And then the, the Pharisees are grumbling and complaining. And he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
But it's interesting because where Jesus went, sometimes he is saving sick people and he's healing sinners. Like it's, it's like, it's almost as if Jesus is lumping sinners and sick people together. Why? Because the biblical view of sin is a sickness. It's a, it's a state of being or a condition that we were under because of the law, the law-based system. Because what, and, and it makes you question, what, what was Jesus actually doing at the cross? Because 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56, it says that the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So what actually empowers sin or that sickness, that, that condition what, in, what empowers that in people's lives is the law-based system. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. You also find this in Romans six fourteen. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law, but under grace. So when does sin, that condition, that state of being, that sickness, when does it have dominion over you? When you're under the law. But it does ha- doesn't have any dominion over you when you are under grace. So what we see is that at the cross, what Jesus was doing was he was establishing a new covenant. It was a covenant of forgiveness in which he makes the Mosaic law obsolete. Because what happens is Jesus is on the cross, right? He's on the cross. And while he's there... There is this, the, it says that the veil was torn in two. Now, this is a big, another big topic that we're going to have to get into. But it's, it's the tabernacle of Moses, part of that whole Mosaic law-based system. In the temple, there were these two rooms. Same thing in the tabernacle. There were these two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. So there were these two rooms. The, the most holy place was, was where the Ark of the Covenant was, and it symbolized the presence of God. Um, and uh, the throne of God, the authority of God. And it, the the, uh, the high priest was only allowed into that room once a year on the day of atonement. And so and so we see we see that at the cross, this thick veil that separated the the holy place, that one room, from the most holy place, the other room that symbolized the presence of God, that thick veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Which means that by tearing that, he's saying that this this covenant is done. It's over. What did Jesus say on the cross? It's finished. So in Hebrews 8 verse 13, it says, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one, the Mosaic law, obsolete. And what is obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away meaning it hadn't vanished away, and we can get into in another podcast when it vanished away. But in speaking of a new covenant, Jesus makes the first one, the Mosaic law, obsolete. So what Jesus was doing was he was destroying the power of sin, which was the law, because the law empowered sin or that sickness, that state of being over everybody. God always works with his covenants. And so there had to be a death. Romans 7, 1 through 2 and verse 4 says, Or do you not know, brothers, 
For I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound, uh, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So the law actually arouses sinful passions. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us, held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What Jesus came to do through his death, <laughs> he destroyed what empowered that sin sickness over everybody. He released us from that. And so, if you're no longer under the law, sin has that, that, that power has, it has no power over you anymore. Because the power of sin was the law. Jesus did away with that. That, that veil was torn in two. That covenant was rendered obsolete. It's done. It's over. It's finished. So, I guess here's the question then. If the biblical view of sin is sickness and Jesus came to remove what empowered that sickness, then why do we view the cross with our punishment in mind? This might rustle a few, few feathers. <laughs> um, I mean, think about this. The law empowered sin. It was a sickness that we were held captive by. We were under its dominion. And Jesus came to remove what empowered that sickness, which was the law. So he came to heal us because we needed a physician. So then if that was the case, if Jesus came to heal us, to forgive us, to cleanse us from that, to, to remove that and to destroy that power that we were under, then why do we view the cross with our punishment in mind? I mean, was it about punishment or was it about healing and forgiveness? I mean, was God so angry with humanity? Because we have to take a look at this because it, it, it reflects your view of the cross. It, re, it, it reflects the way you see God. And the most important thing about you is the way you see him. Was God so angry with humanity that he wanted to beat us up? But his son steps in and says, No, Dad, don't do this. I, I love these people. Punish me instead. Is that what happened? I mean, if the biblical view of sin is sickness, then what we actually see is we see a father who saw a world in this state of being, this condition that we were under. And in his love for us, he sends his son, a representation of himself, to heal us from that sickness by removing the power of that sickness, which was the law. I mean, here, take this for example. When your kids are sick, what do you do? Do you, do you punish them? Right? Do you... Do you stick them in the corner? 
Do you send them to your to their room? Do you do you spank them? You need to get your act together, right? Is that what you do when your kids are sick? No, of course not. You you try and do what you can to heal them. You take them to a doctor because they need a physician so that they can cure the the thing that's empowering that sickness within them. That's what you do. And that's what God did. Romans 6.14 For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but you're under grace. This is what the Father came to do. This is what he this was his plan because he loves us. Was God just so angry because we were such bad sinners? We had no choice. We were under this power. And he came to remove it completely. In, in Isaiah 53, we get some really strong language. And in verse 4, it starts off like this, and it's a very well-known scripture. He says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Now think about this scripture verse. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. (laughs) <laughs> instantly it paints this picture like God is beating his son and I, I guess that's the way we look at this we look at the cross sometimes we we see God and in his wrath he came and he he had to beat somebody up and so because he needed payment for sin and so Jesus steps in and says no I'll take their place which is another big topic that we're going to have to get into as well. But look at this. He says, this is the way we, we view the cross. We don't see it as God trying to heal and forgive the world. We see it as, as Jesus stepping in to, um, uh, to save us from God's punishment. And so it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. We esteemed him this way. Like we, we thought that this is what God did. Like Isaiah, it seems it seems as if Isaiah was was he's, he Isaiah wasn't saying that God struck his son. He, he's prophesying how we would one day view the cross, we would see or how we would see God. He's saying we esteemed him this way. We we thought of him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. I blame John Calvin for his view because his view kind of shines through the scripture verse because he viewed God as an angry judge, not as a loving father. So it's almost like we've adopted his lens through which we've interpreted the scripture. But we esteemed him this way, stricken, by, stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And then it goes, but, meaning that's not what happened. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement um, that brought us peace. But that word chastisement is really, is, is, uh, is, not, is not punishment, it's, it's sufferings. In fact, if you look up the Septuagint, but it's the LXX version, it's, this, it's the version that was, was produced around 200, 300 B.C., 
Um, it's uh, it's a trend. It's the translation basically that would have been available during the time of Jesus, and it brings a different interpretation to what we see here in Isaiah fifty three. It brings an interpretation. It doesn't show that Jesus was was stricken for, but he was plagued by our sins. Now look at this. This is this is from the NIV, Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. As if an idea is like God is beating his son, smoting his son, striking his son. But here's the LXX version. It says, he became sick. This is Isaiah 53, verse 5. He became sick because of our sins. There was a, That's the biblical view of sin, sickness. He became sick because of our sins. The pedagogy of our peace was upon him. With his bruises, we ourselves were healed. So this is, there's a different idea here. Of, of, of Jesus, instead of being punished by God for our sins, we see Jesus becoming sick because he took on our sins. It plagued him. It, 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 it brought that sickness to him. Here, Isaiah 53, verse 8. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. And then you get the other translation. By the transgression of my people, he was plagued. So, for the transgression or by the transgression. So stricken for is very different than plagued by. Because stricken for suggests substitution. Plagued by suggests what it was like for Jesus, who is this perfect, healthy, sinless lamb, to take on the sickness or the sin of the world. And then Isaiah 53 verse 10 which is that one that has confused so many people. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. The LXX, that's not even there. And it says, And the, Lord's desi- and the Lord desires to purify him of the plague. Major, major difference. So was it God's will to crush his son? Or was it God's will for his son to take on all the sickness of the world, destroy what, what empowered that sickness, bury it in the grave, bury all people's sin and sickness in the grave, rise, and then, then in the grave, the, the Lord purifies him from all that sickness because he leaves it there in the grave, rises as a new creation, and then through Christ's death and his resurrection, Jesus leads many sons to glory. Your view of God matters. Was God some just some angry judge who was trying to, he demanded justice for all the horrible things that we did? Or did he see a world in sickness and in his love, he sends someone to be the solution himself, a representation of himself. He became our solution. He destroyed what empowered sin in our lives. And then he took the sin of the world, buried it in the grave, rose as a new creation, and through his death and his resurrection, we become a completely new, we we take on a completely new way to be human. 
God is a good God. He is a loving Father, and He is uh, He is healing. He is saving. He is forgiving. He is reconciling. This is what He is doing. He is so zoning people, making them whole, and that's done by by living under the covenant of grace. If you're going to go, that's why when you, when you read the New Testament, Paul's letters to the churches, in particular Galatians, he is so angry at everyone. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? I mean, you're, if you're going to follow the law, you are a, you're, you're cursed. And, you know, you, you can't accept circumcision. You can't accept law and grace. Jesus did away with the old covenant. He did away with law and he established grace. That's why Paul's entire ministry, and you see this with John and you see this with Peter, they're trying to pull people away from the Mosaic law because of that empowers sin in people's lives. You even find Paul writing in Romans chapter 7. He goes, I didn't know what it was to covet. And then someone said, don't covet. And then all of a sudden, I can't stop coveting. <laughs> the, things that I, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do are the things I just can't stop doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. You know, it just, but thanks be to God. He's pulled us out of darkness, which was the law-based system, into his marvelous light, which is the covenant of grace. So I hope this I hope this helps. Once again, I think that the most important thing about your life is the way that you view God. It just shapes everything. And there are some things in Scripture, some in interpretations, and some uh, the way that the, the the Bible has been translated. That, sh- that there are some, some areas where it's just been translated in a in a wrong way, and it, it blinds us from seeing who God truly is, and that you'd know. What he came to do was he came to show his love to the world, and he does so that in while we were yet sinners, sick, Christ died for us, destroying that covenant that empowered that sickness and healing us and forgiving us. It wasn't about punishment. It was about forgiveness. I hope this helps. If you have any questions, please reach out. Love to chat. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.